You're listening to Clock Radio Speakers with Armand and Doc. And now, Side B. So one thing, and I, we can sort of transition into some of the controversy that, that's been going on starting really today. Um, although I've seen some things online a little bit before. So this was a movie that was, you know, it's directed by F. Gary Gray, who um, very involved in, you know, sort of at least as far as a director can be um, f- from that era. Obviously, he did Friday with Ice Cube. I didn't realize this. He, he was the cameraman for that interview with Ice Cube and D. Barnes. That was crazy. Right. And that so, was- you know, F. Gary Gray, he's the director. It's executive produced by Dre and Cube. This is not a like hist- this is not a like journalistic take on NWA. It's a hero's tale, right? Absolutely. Yes. And especially it's a- especially for Dr. Dre and Ice Cube. Right. It's it's a movie. It's, it's a movie. It's a movie. <laughs> it, it's a movie. And now so I'm saying that because I want to make sure that I don't like just really nitpick because I know that they miss stuff. Of course, they're going to miss stuff. I knew that they were going to blow themselves up because like, it, you know, if 20 years from now, for whatever reason, Clock Radio Speakers is like, you know, the biggest podcast in the history of whatever. And we made millions of dollars and we go and we are re- we're going to God, can you imagine how boring the Clock Radio Speakers movie would be? And <laughs> like really tense music as we turn on Skype. I say Skype, the Clock Radio Speakers store. <laughs> And like, you know, today, Doc Battles fan noise. Like, you know. <laughs> so they play like this dramatic music while you're cleaning and filtering out the fan. Doc upgrades Adobe Audition. And like, you know. But anyway, if it's executive produced by the two of us, it will have a very different tone than if it is like put together by a journalist who was taught, who was covering podcasts in the 2000s. You know what I mean? Like, right, it's right, co- right. it's. It's always going to be different. And I totally understand why people are upset because for many people, this is now the official history of this time. Mm -hmm. And if you weren't in it or if you were misrepresented, it's it's done, right? Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter what's written in a book. It doesn't, you know, like this will now become a part of people's memories about it, which is kind of weird. But that's the way that movies work. Yep. Um, So... What came out today was so Gawker, uh, which is a uh, you can call them a blog, but they're really like a huge conglomerate. They have a ton of blogs that are underneath them. They had D Barnes watch Straight Outta Compton and review it, or at least ref- I think the term they use is reflect. So, to give people some context, we sort of alluded to it, but so when Ice Cube uh, left NWA, he does an interview with D Barnes. It was she had a show on uh, Fox. It used to be called Pump It Up, which I don't ever remember. But yep, I remember Pump It Up very clearly. First off, D Barnes was a part of a a, a female group called Body and Soul. Mm. Um, so she was a, she definitely was an MC, and Body and Soul had uh, a minor hit or two, but they were definitely on the radar. People knew who they were, and I definitely remember watching Pump It Up on Friday nights. Definitely. So you know the. They had a whole segment and that focused on NWA, concluded, you know, I'm basically reading from Gawker right now, but I want to make sure we get it so we can talk about it. So it concludes with a clip of Ice Cube, you know, insulting the the other members of, of NWA. Yeah. Um, that's at the end. That's in what, uh, November of 1990. End of January 91 at a record release party. Dre, I mean, like basically beats up. I mean, like beats up makes it sound better than it is. Like 
brutalizes Dee Barnes in retaliation. It ends up going to court, gets dragged out for years. She gets some amount of money, but, you know. Uh, so her... She says that she still has headaches and... Right. She says she was bl- essentially blackballed from the industry. She was yep. supposed to be and set it off, except she couldn't because F. Gary Gray was uh, directed that. Um, and, and Dre had a small role in Dre it. Dre had a small role in it. Um, she points oh, I, out... I, I, she points out... Um, not only just that her, like the story, like what happened to her, which became a, which was a big deal. Like it was definitely a thing. Yeah. Yeah. This isn't like breaking news. Right. A, a, Dre's assault on D Barnes was very well known. Right. It was, I mean, it was referenced in songs at the time. I mean, even Eminem brought, Eminem brought it up in, um, right. Guilty, conscience. Dre, uh, Guilty conscience. Thank you. Yeah. Um, take advice from somebody who slapped D Barnes. what you say? Right. Except he, he did a lot more than slap D Barnes. A lot more than Slap D. Barnes. And what she talks about in this article, which, which is on Gawker, and I you absolutely should go read it. I'm pretty sure one of us has retweeted it today. Um, she points out how the movie really, let's just say, like, ignores in general, like, the role that females played in the, in the, in the NWA story. Yeah, there, there are no... The only woman who had some sort of positive influence in the movie well cube's wife uh who i think was played by the girl who played Aaliyah in the Aaliyah movie the heavily slandered Aaliyah movie um it 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 touches on him meeting nicole his wife dre's wife and tamika wright who was easy's wife at the time that he died and i really want to touch on her arc um because yeah that was tamika in Tamika in Straight Outta Compton was Puffy and Notorious. And by that, I mean, if you saw Notorious, Puffy was like always the nicest guy. He was the mediator. He was the one who always had something revolutionary to say. He was the peacekeeper. But, excuse me, the legend of Puff Daddy is very well documented. That would actually be like a a third-party story of Puff Daddy would be crazy. If if he would like open the books up and just talk about everything, oh my god! Right, oh my god! Take my money now. <laughs> I'm there for that. So you so you thought uh, Easy E's uh, wife Erica right? You thought that her her arc was fascinating? Uh, no, it was it wasn't fascinating. It was just heavily <laughs> manipulated and incorrectly portrayed by all accounts. Right, and it sounds like from what you're saying, Cuban Dre's wives are portrayed in a somewhat positive light. But sounds yes. like there's no mention of Michelle. Eh? No mention of Michelle at all. A um, lot of just unnecessarily gratuitous nudity. Like just a lot of there's a lot of naked women in the movie. Like a lot. Right. Like, well, it's an. I mean, but it's an NWA movie. Um, so you kind of get the idea of going. I don't know if anybody's ever seen the videotape of. I think it's on YouTube. Is a, of a NWA's pool party at Easy's house. Like I saw the tape. There's a whole tape. It's like 45 minutes long of. The pool party and they reenacted uh in the movie so i mean kind of yeah no mention of yo-yo right um nah, no mention of yo-yo there wasn't even a, i heard warren g was in there but no warren g either there was a few people they omitted but we're talking about women right now right actually I want, at some point we should talk about warren g because he he seemed really he has seemed really absent from um everything dre has done like over the right. past like I, there's probably a story there um so 
What was I going to say? Um, right. So just, it, no, just in your- general. So I didn't know. I mean, I'll admit, like I knew that Michelle and Dre were a thing at one point. I did not realize that he was known for beating the crap out of her. Yeah. Um, yeah. She has babies with, she has babies by him and Suge Knight. <sighs> Boy, that's a complicated life. I um, think Dre and Michelle were married. Right. So there is a, in general, so in general, it seems as though the movie really sort of tries to side sweep some of this, which is not at all surprising, right? Again, it is, you know, much like many of these biopics where the original person or the original family is involved, like they're going to tell the hero story. Right. Right. And when you have the great man, a lot of times, you know, they're not going to really talk about the great women behind them or maybe the woman who they had to, not had to, the woman who they did whatever to on the way up, like that, that often gets neglected. Right. This is not, this is not unique necessarily to the uh, Straight Outta Compton movie, but what, and again, this is just me being ignorant and you guys know me, if you listen to the show, like I'm a gigantic hip hop head, obviously. I like the D Barnes thing in my recollection was always there was an incident and then literally it was Eminem's line. So I'm like, he slapped somebody like literally like I never or whatever, but you don't, you know, to go back and to read this stuff. And then actually like, I've been going back and listening to some NWA music recently and you listen to the lyrics and it's one of those things where it's like, okay, I'm not, we're not putting lyrics on trial because this is not 1992 and this is, you know, we're not, we're not doing that. But when you read about Dre and then you listen to it, and frankly, like we pointed out when we talked about the, on the Compton Review, like the completely unnecessary skit where they murder a woman. Right. Right. Like, I mean, guy, like the second uh, half of Niggas for Life is probably the most misogynistic piece of music I've ever heard. It's crazy. There's misogyny. And then there's like actual like violence against women. Yeah. And in a weird way... I, this again sounds completely ignorant. I'm seeing Dre in a different light today. I really am. Between the, honestly, did you watch the video of some of uh, on it was Vlad TV interviewing Michelle about about nah, this? Nah, I, I stay away from Vlad. Uh, I think is it linked to where did I see it? I saw I saw where I could watch it, but I saw it was Vlad, and I was like, mm. she's she's like. I mean, first of all, you could tell that she is a is a victim of of uh, domestic violence, like. She's, she's, she's just completely like when she talks about, she's like, you know, why would they want to show somebody who, who didn't, you know, who didn't play a role? Who's just the girlfriend who got beat on and told to shut up. Like, she's just so beaten down by it. Like it's, it's just completely depressing to watch. Um, and you see that, um, and you know, this, and granted, maybe this is just D Barnes side of the story. Like if you can say there's two sides to every story, but it seems as though, there is a history with Dre. That is something I never really contemplated until today, which sounds crazy because you listen to the music and a lot of it's there, but I'm not going to lie. I think much like you growing up, like we, you know, there was always, to me, I always, there was always a certain amount of, I don't really believe half, if not most of this. It was shock value. It was a story. It was trumped up. Well, you know, I think for you, you listening to that in retrospective allows you to see that. Right, you know, right, right. right. I watch, when I watch, especially West Coast hip hop music in particular, when I watch their videos, you can tell the people who are CB4. It's very, very obvious. So, um, can, but I know what you mean, but can, can you explain that? Because I don't think, I think that might have been. I'm sorry, CB4. Okay, so CB4 was a movie uh, starring Chris Rock 
and it was a play on uh, the the popularity in gangster rap and how that's all labels wanted and that was the only way to make money and sell records so you know this guy basically turns into a gangster rapper and he's not a gangster at all so it's basically where a lot of uh, it's the nickname for a lot of or it's the poster child for a lot of fake thuggery or fake gangsters or whatever. It's like what I mean, essentially it's the MC Hammer heel turn. Hey, 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 hey. I'm, I'm not, just being not honest. Gonna, we're not going to slander the funky headhunter on clock radio speakers. This is what we're not going to do. We're not going to slander pumps in a bump. Let's just say nope. there's MC Hammer before Death Row and then there's MC Hammer after Death Row. On Death On Death Row. Well, there's a difference. Cuz after Death Row, he 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 turns face again. He's like Sergeant Slaughter. <laughs> After WrestleMania, when uh, Colonel Mustafa and the Iron Sheik turned it back on him, and he asked for his country back, and he waves the flag. That's 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 MC Hammer in like 1997. By the way, a great there's a great blog post ready to be written by somebody. Rappers who've made face or heel turns. Just saying. We just got to start creating more content. (laughs) Anyway, um, both writers like it just makes sense. so CB, so you were talking about CB4. So, so it's obvious yeah, so, that some, so, some dudes but, were CB4. They were fake. Like back, yeah, they were fake. But when you watched it back then as a child, oh, you couldn't tell. Everybody was the toughest rapper ever. Everybody. So, yeah, in retrospect, it's like, yeah, shock value. We get it. But no, Easy e posting with a, 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 a semi-automatic weapon with a scope on it, that was real. Right. You know what I'm saying? Uh, rappers posing with guns and... And throwing up gang signs and uh, that was real, you know. Like that's what we thought it. That's what we thought it was. But the the crazy part about it is that it was so cool. We weren't scared of it. We embraced it. I I I, I was again. We, I was talking to my sister on this road trip, and I'm like, how did did our parents let us listen to this stuff? At you know, she's four years older than me. So like five and nine years old, we're hearing f the police. We're hearing all these songs about murder, death, kill. Now, granted, my mother hated it, but like we heard it regularly. Even the edited versions that were on Rap Scene and UMTV Raps were pretty bad. Right. You know, so yeah, like sure. In retrospect, like you can listen to it and be like, yeah, shock value. But living in that time, nah, that was that was real. No, real I, life, son. In a sense, for me, like at the time, I always simply rationalized it as, you know, whatever. It's shock value. Um, it's now like you look at it and then you read the stories about what happened and more of it was true than you realize. At least does, does that make sense? Like, or it's more like the th- things that you thought might not have been true were true and vice versa. I mean, I could see a perspective on that. Okay. But I, I remember the D Barnes thing. So, you know, we knew how, how bad it was. Right. And see, at least for me growing up on the East coast, again, like you know, uh, West Coast history is exactly what you said at the show. There's NWA, there was Death Row, DJ Quick happened in there somewhere. Like <laughs> <laughs> that's really how we saw it yeah, out here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Unless yeah. you're ahead of that era. Like if you're like I'm thirty two. If you're even just a couple years older than me, then you got that. But if you're thirty two or younger, you don't remember any of that. You don't know any of that. MTV was your history lesson. Yeah, absolutely. Um, totally, totally. Yeah, because again, I'm speaking from a very nerdy perspective. So right, and that's 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 what you're supposed to do. That's what the show is. But your average fan, your average fan was not as detailed, and that's why I want to go over all these straight out of Compton things they omitted. Maybe I like reveal them at the end of the show or something like that. Yeah, we can do something like that. just like play. You can play some like Jeopardy. <laughs> I was thinking Jeopardy. 
Yeah, you could play that, and I'll just like rattle them all off. Just give me 15 minutes to rant, and I'll be straight. <laughs> anyway, so D Barnes and no women in the movie, et cetera, et cetera. Did that, so having seen the movie and having read the D Barnes article today, did that bother you? Like, not bother you in terms of the violence. That's great. Of course, yeah, that's a problem. But, like, think about the movie. Are you, do you think of the movie now and go, I wish they would have covered that? Or? In, in a director's cut, I would like to see it. But the way that, <laughs> the way that Dre and Cube were, uh, were presented in some scenes, in some story arcs, they're not gonna do. They're not gonna do justice to it. <laughs> so it's like you rather just okay. This is the truth. They omitted it, and then that's it. Because they're gonna make it seem like you know, D. Barnes had a bunch of goons surround Dre and be like, Ice Cube was on my show talking about you. Now what? And she's <laughs> pushing them and slapping them, and Dre's like, I can't take this anymore, and like starts hitting people and doing Blade esque moves. <laughs> I'm telling you, Dre was like the biggest thug in this movie, yo. Dre and Ice Cube were like super thugs in this movie. And yeah. We're in laps around the English channel. And- yeah, yeah. But if you know if if you know that you know that you know, like you you know how asinine that sounds. That's a good word, asinine. And that's and that's not to say that they're not tough guys or or they they're not real men or whatever, whatever. But it's just like when you it's like the prodigy book. If anybody's read the prodigy book uh prodigy and mob deep i read the book i actually have the book i own it and prodigy never takes an l ever (laughs) he even spent he even spent the story of keith murray punching him outside the tunnel into a victory for him somehow it's crazy how did he spend summer jam um he he told the story of his grandmother's um uh dance house or dance studio um into Yo, we used to go there because all the chicks was there. So we used to bag chicks that was in the class and Ashanti was in the class and I tried to bag Ashanti. And so it was basically like he was there for girls and it just so happened that he got a picture taken. Everybody wanted to be Michael Jackson in the 80s, which is true. And Jay-Z turning into something completely different. I mean, in a sense, it's no different than, um, you know, what uh, was it easy who uh, would show pictures of Dre? Absolutely. Turn G thing into a she thing. Absolutely. Right, right. And I really, really wish real Com- Compton City jeans. That's the radio edit. I really wish real Compton City jeans was shown. Like, I really wish the Dre and Easy Beef was shown. It wasn't. Well, right. So that's so it sounds like they gloss over a lot of the beef. Yeah. Like, they, they, they talk about no Vaseline at all. Yes. Yes. That's one of the funniest scenes in the movie. Okay. How yeah. is that a funny? Oh, well, see, I need it's to see funny. this movie. Okay, yeah, you got to see it. You got to see it. The great part about it was the majority of the people in the theater had not heard No Vaseline. So they're playing the song and people in the theater are like, yo. You can hear them like, ooh. It's like watching a fight and watching like Dredderick Tatum kill Homer Simpson before Moe sweeps in with the, <laughs> with the fan thing and take him away. So that was cool. But no, that scene is hilarious. It's a really good scene. It's really good how they it's 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 well done how they lead up to it. It's pretty good. But the scene itself is dope. Interesting. And then so they end the movie ends with Dre leaving Death Row for Aftermath. Is that <sighs> yeah. right? Yeah. So it's a it, scene. So a couple things. So I wonder if 
So because it's Cuban Dre and because the Jerry Heller book exists. And Tamika Wright, she was also right. the other executive producer. You're correct. They needed, that, they needed that, those Ruthless songs cleared. Right, right, right. So I wonder if because they could get the Ruthless songs cleared, because they, there was, you know, they didn't have to worry about Jerry Heller because they already knew what he's on record as saying. Mm-hmm. I wonder if they could really dig into the initial Ruthless story. Whereas because I'm guessing Suge Knight wanted nothing to do with this. Well, that's why Suge Knight's in jail now because he right. went to the you know to, to the, the set. set. I bet you. So actually, that's an interesting question. Do they even have any Death Row songs in the movie? Yeah, uh, Deep Covers in there. Nothing but a G things in there. And I'm not gonna ruin the Tupac part because the Tupac part is gonna piss you off. Just as a as a rap nerd, you're gonna I, be like, no, but it. I don't even want to know. Yeah. Actually, but, Dre uh, didn't produce. No. Anyway. Uh. No, no, no. Not even that. Not even that. Because the, the deep cover part is funny because they make it seem like Dre, like they're playing. <laughs> I'm just going to ruin this part. Yeah, go ahead. So when they introduce Snoop for the first time, they're playing deep cover with only Dre's vocals and no Snoop vocals. And you, if you know the deep cover song, <laughs> right. a lot of back and forth. Well, so, and let's be honest. Dre, think- Snoop definitely wrote Dre's verses so they're making it seem like I just I was looking for somebody to go back and forth and Snoop was like I can fit this role perfectly and they do yeah and they, they do they, that, they yeah. try to they try to Memph bleak him <laughs> something like that <laughs> Something like that. Midweek of, uh, yeah. And then they tried to they, make it coming of age. It's like, nah, actually. Yeah, yeah, it was something coming of age. Nah, I like your style. Nah, I like your style. <laughs> Nobody, that, that was, the, I think that was the, that was the thread that led me to go on so. Uh, it was a, un, it, was, it was like unintentionally homosexual lines in hip hop history. So <laughs> they like basically made it. They made it seem like Jay and Bleak were like making passes at each other during the whole coming of age. The way that they laid it out was hilarious. And I was like, I need to be on this website. Anyway. The, the uh, oh God, the homophobia of hip hop in the 90s, really up until just very recently. And for a lot of people in hip hop still to this day, you look back now and you're just like, really? Like, that's why when we were growing up, that's why the, like the, ah, sub Nas was always so funny. Ah. <laughs> right. And then now you realize... You try to think to yourself, you know, it's actually not that funny until you realize, no, it just sounds stupid. That would have been, you mentioned if they ended that way. That would be, that would have been funny if uh, they would have included East Coast Killer, West Coast Killer. But like yeah, three people yeah. who go to see that movie will have heard that song. Yeah. Not no, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, anyway. I'm, yeah, the, the, so, the aftermath scene is ridiculously cheesy. And so, um, so I, I wonder if they couldn't really go like deep, deep, deep on Death Row stuff. Because, because no they didn't have they didn't have rights to certain or they were I mean frankly you know they didn't want any I mean they didn't want to drag anything out with sugar or anything like that and that's and that's interesting because people with the death row masters um death sugar had to sell death row mm-hmm. and I think uh some some lady bought it and that's where the remaster chronic came from. Yeah. Uh, there was like an unreleased Snoop album they put out the OFTB album they put out a bunch of stuff. And uh, they're actually good too. Like they sound like the they they actually remastered them right. Oh yeah, the the chronic. If you can find the chronic relit and re smoked whatever it was, yeah that that was a great remaster. Um, so I'm I'm curious to know if either they worked with them or they ended up cutting a deal to get Dre chronic masters and get Snoop Doggy style masters. I, I I'm very curious to know because there was was there 
There was no Snoop. There was no Snoop. There was chronic music, and I'm and you know Dre what? Dre owns the rights to chronic music. There you go, because that's why it's able to be on Apple Music. Um, yeah. But no, there was no Doggy Style. But then again, it's the NWA story, so you know they they could have played it. But there's there's no Doggy Style. There's no. But there are Tupac songs though. So they must uh, they had well, to go to a Feeny, right? Right. I, I'm still trying to figure out how. So it, if anything, you can call it the NWA story, but it sounds like it's the the beginning of Ruthless Records and the beginning of Death Row Story, two separate movies. Yeah, it's the well, it's the pretty much the total ruthless record. I mean, they don't include JJ Fad, Supersonic, and Is they there, don't include. Go ahead. Bone Thugs don't get any love. At the very end, oh boy! Um, at the very end, they talk about Bone. Okay. They mention Bone. They mention that Bone's music is good, and that <laughs> Easy's gonna blow up. Because okay, so this is this is what happens. Basically, this is another inconsistency about the movie. So they made it seem like when uh, Easy signed over the rights to Dre uh, to Suge, the rights of Dre to Suge, that Easy was broke. But what they don't tell you is that Easy made 25% off of all of the revenue that was generated from the chronic. So if you listen to Real Compton City G's, the line is, dang, E, they try to fade you on Dre Day, but Dre Day only meant Easy's payday. So they made it seem like Easy was completely broke and disheveled, and he looked to um, get NWA back together as a last ditch effort. When the true story is, is that he was hurt by the disses because he felt like they were better than that to have to go like he didn't want to do the back and forth diss he's like call me like because easy the reputation that he has for being like a you know a legit gangster or whatever he was anybody who talks about him says he's the nicest guy you'll ever meet so i'm sure that you know you let somebody in you know you kind of you get hurt so the nwa reunion was really out of uh hey i miss my friends let's get back together and see if we can do this right. the movie kind of told it from a story of easy he's desperate and you know he's been done so dirty by everybody let's you know here come dre and ice cube to the rescue no oh, that's not uh yeah yeah well yeah but look i mean like we said earlier like you know if we're telling the doc and armand story like you know Oh my God, Kairos is going to be the like the greatest album ever. It's going to be Illmatic. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, like, absolutely. You tell the story, you'll be like, yeah, so I got in this fight in my junior year of high school. It was 12 guys and they all surrounded me. Right. And I beat them all up and this girl came and like, yeah, it, yeah. Well, and part of it too is, you know, this movie comes at a time when Dre and Cube, they are respectable, like, entertainers. They aren't, it's not that they're done, they're not done by any stretch, right? Dre just put out an album. He is a, you know, he's a part of, of Apple Music. Cube is firmly entrenched in Hollywood. Like, they're, it's not like they, they're telling this, you know, oh, well, you know, this happened 50 years ago. It's not like they, they don't, ha- they have a reputation to protect. They have a reputation I, to build up. Absolutely. Hmm. Absolutely. Now that, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But, absolutely as a movie you still enjoyed it it's still a, it's still a great movie right still it's still a great again i don't want to come off like i'm a snob and i was nitpicking i'd show up to the movie theater with like a notepad <laughs> and i'm like licking the tip of the pen i'm writing with the 1776 you know revolutionary war pen oh you, you you're dipping your ink you get dipping your quill in the ink you're like hey, yeah good sir <laughs> good sir <laughs> <laughs> I said good day. No, um, it's still a great movie. And I, again, I said it earlier in the show, like 
everybody needs to go see this movie. It's a great movie. It's a really, really dope hip hop movie. I'm, I'm curious to know. I want to go see it again. I'm curious to know how it's going to fare in terms of like, man, like we're really about to, this is how we should feel old, Doc, because stuff that we lived out is now about to get turned into movies. Now I know how my dad felt when the Temptations movie came out. You know, like pretty soon we're going to see like the Lil John story. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like we're so going to see. One thing that, one thing that I, we haven't really touched on that I, that we talked about a little bit because we talked about how successful it was. One thing that people have pointed out is that, you know, far too often with any movies starring people of color, it is, rel- you know, they, their marketing plans are, it's, they try to put it in a niche. We're going to only advertise on shows that are marketed towards people of color. We're only going to do, you know, what they did with Shared Out of Compton instead was they just advertised, they went super broad. Like when mm-hmm. they had that Republican presidential debate a couple weeks, that, weeks back, no. right? They had an ad for it there. They ran the trailer, the first trailer after, uh, I think it was before Fast and Furious this year, right? Which yep. millions of people saw. So yep. they went big and broad because they realized hip hop in the 90s was insanely popular. Was yep. and not like just in terms of raw numbers, but in terms of breadth of, of population, right? So, it, you know, there have been movie, you know, notor- you talk about notorious before. It's almost too bad that some that some stories have been told in a way because I feel like the success of Straight Outta Compton will mean that some other stories will get the right budget, the right director, a broad marketing. Like you know, they will not try to pigeonhole them as. Here's a quote unquote urban movie, right? Like, these are the stories people like. You know, as much as I'd love to see it, I don't. I don't think they're going to throw a big budget at you know the Wu Tang story. Bong bong, Wu Tang. <laughs> but you can totally imagine now how a notorious Big movie could have been totally different. Absolutely. Have they done? I'm trying to think. They yeah they they did a Pac movie. Uh no they didn't. They were supposed to do one on HBO. Wait, they didn't do a Tupac movie? Nah, not yet. Am I crazy? Yeah, they haven't done a Tupac movie yet. There's been talks forever because my dad actually has the uh, book. Oh, right, right, right. And actually, is it the guy? I don't think it's so. From what I understand, the guy who plays him in Straight Outta Compton, they actually use somebody else's voice. A word? I don't know. But definitely somebody, in, either the guy who plays him or the, they got a guy who did a voice or something. I forget. It's some weird thing. But basically... um, they are, I think John Singleton, I know he, for a while he was working on a, on a biopic for, for Tupac, but... Um, yes, he was. But, mm-hmm. Which makes a lot of sense for him to do it. But in general, like, you can see how the success of Straight Outta Compton means whoever has the rights to that, they're, they're, they're all of a sudden, they're, you know, their eyes just got really big because they realize how much money they can make. Yeah, yeah. What, yeah. Would, the, what would the title of the Tupac movie be? I think it could just be Tupac. Probably Thug Life, the Tupac story. It could be called Tupac. <laughs> no, Thug Life, the Tupac story sounds like a VH1 storyteller's. Like, no. Um, well, well <laughs> <laughs> who's making the Tupac movie is the question. Is it going to be right, John right. Singleton or is it going to be, right. you know, from the, from the makers of the TLC story? <laughs> <laughs> right. But, but there, are, there are definitely stories that could be told. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if more of our childhood, more of our teenage years start to get mined. Right. Is there anybody that you think would make for a... Because I'm going to keep it real. Like The fact that the Death Row story wasn't told as well. Number one, it makes me want to watch the Welcome to Death Row documentary. That's what you need. If you're on you, I think it's on YouTube. 
look for the welcome. There's a documentary called Welcome to Death Row that talks about, you know, Dre was basically the face of Death Row, but he definitely didn't put any money up because he was broke when he left Ruthless. Right. And uh, Death Row was funded by Suge Knight and a guy named Harry O who was incarcerated. So with drug money and they were funneling the money that they were making from the album sales back into the streets. And they were making four times more on the streets than they were, you know, selling all those records. Like it's, it's crazy. Yeah. Look up. Welcome to death row. But my question is doc, who do you think would, uh, be a good and or funny? Cause I'm gonna let you, I'm gonna open mm-hmm. the door to let some jokes fly. Um, who would, who would have a good movie rap wise, culture wise, music wise, sports wise, whatever from our childhood. Man, put me on the spot. I can't. Space Jam Two doesn't count, right? No. Um, <laughs> who would be a good movie? Um, as trite as it would be, I swear, a movie that focused on nothing but the so-called East Coast West Coast West Coast feud would do ridiculous numbers. It would. Um, right. I mean that. Yeah, you could see. I, honestly, I think that like we we talked we joked about it a little bit, but like, I mean. Especially if they did the early Puff Daddy years story, like a real movie of Puff would be insane. Um, that would be super interesting. I don't know if it would be like a big blockbuster, but I think that'd be really interesting. Um, who else would be interesting? <sighs> hmm. You make me think about this, huh? Of course I did. I think you might admit, I think Wu-Tang would be a really interesting story. Yeah, I think that's Wu-Tang a complicated s- movie to play. Yeah, but- I was about to say, Wu-Tang might serve better in the style of, of Tribe Called Quest because I've, I've heard... Mm. Uh, calls for a tribe movie but i thought that the i thought the documentary was so well done i don't need the story to be told again i'll just watch the documentary um but i think wu-tang would serve better as a documentary yeah you could do a documentary there and that would be for nerds but like just think of an actual movie hmm. no i'm <laughs> serious like you know no, i'm just laughing at bong bong the wu-tang bong. story <laughs> b-o <laughs> did Digidale. <laughs> Digital, the Bobby Digital story. See, that's yeah. yo. How long would the how long would the Bobby Digital story be? Twenty minutes. <laughs> Only if they talk about him actually going to fight crime. It's the funniest part of the Wu Tang book. Oh god! He Wait, thought he was Batman. What? I've told you this, right? No. He had actual like Bobby Digital like superhero gear made up. What? Okay, hold on. I need to, need to confirm to make sure I'm not crazy. I got a quieter, quieter keyboard, so... Uh, it wasn't quiet. You heard that? <laughs> yeah, like, I'm pretty sure... Yeah, so in the Wu-Tang manual, he says, Around 1998, I became a superhero in real life. And he talks about <laughs> that, yes, he actually, like, took... He took the Bobby Digital persona so far that he... What? Yeah. It's a lot of drugs, man. A lot of drugs. And a lot of... I don't know. Uh, I think um, actually ODB would be interesting. He would. Like I don't he, think you could focus on like Wu Tang. This is nine like nine plus like eighteen people who would have to be in that movie, and that's just too complicated. Um, so they would like if you did a Wu Tang movie, they they would obviously like scope it back to only focus on a couple people, which would just irritate the purists. So you might as well like really lock in. Right. Yeah. Because then we we want like why didn't you include just a second album? <laughs> Nobody, no, no, nobody wants that. Um, you know, a Dame Dash movie would be really interesting. That would because you yeah. got the rise and the fall, and then the you know, the the arc is already there. Yep. The Murder Inc. story. Oh wow! 
Um, wow. Actually, just like, you know, a real like Def Jam story. Yes. Like early, not like, yeah, a real Def Jam story. Yes. It's tough. Like to get, just to get the rights, like you'd have to get Lior and uh, Rick Rubin and Russell to all like sign, like to, th- that would be really tough. It would. <laughs> um, what about you? Do you have any that come to mind? No, I really like the, I like the Dame Dash and the Def Jam story. I think Def Jam is one of my favorite labels ever, if not my favorite. No, not my favorite. Uh, it's up there, at least top three, one of my mm. favorite labels ever. So to, to see that, yes, I think, I think that's, like, that's, that's, that's right there for me. I think Two Live Crew would be really interesting. Oh, yeah. You see uh, Combat Jack has an interview with, uh, with Luke. Oh, really? Yeah. You see Master P is, uh, has, supposedly has a movie coming out about himself? Yes, I will be there, bro. <laughs> I will be there. Oh, Fam. and it goes without saying, like, assuming that this happens in the future, when, they, when, when there aren't huge reputations to protect, the, the Birdman story, the story of baby and cash money. Yeah, cash money story would be really good. Right. That would be really, really good. Yeah, the, that's not. The rise, the fall, the rise, the fall. Like, you know, there's a lot going on. Yeah, that, that's not, baby's not going to let that happen. No. It's not going to happen. <laughs> and on that note, is there anything else you want to say about Straight Outta Compton? Uh, I did want to go over all these inconsistencies. Oh, yeah, so real quick. So if you, if you don't want to hear about the inconsistencies before you see the movie, thank you for listening. We really appreciate it. And with that being said, Armand, what did they get wrong? All right. So, well, not even things that they got wrong. Um, like I said, uh, Easy received 25% of all money generated from the Chronic, so he wasn't broke. Uh, there was no mention of Easy Does It or NWA in the Posse. Uh, it was under the assumption that uh, Boys in the Hood went straight on, straight out of Compton. That's not true. Um, there was a time when, between the time of NWA in the Posse and Boys in the Hood blowing up and uh, straight out of Compton, uh, Dre went to, or I'm sorry, not Dre, Ice Cube went to Phoenix to go to college. His dad made him go to school and he had to like beg his dad to let him drop out of school and come back in the group. So there's like a, a two year period that, that in the story, they make it seem like it's them waiting on contracts, but it was just that they had already signed contracts. There was never a contract generated for Ice Cube. So then by the time there was a contract generated for Ice Cube, Ice Cube had already generated a lot of money right. uh, for Ruthless Records. Uh, Ren wrote a lot of Easy Does It, and it made Ren seem like he was like he didn't write anything until Ice Cube left. Uh, there is a fight scene between the lynch mob and Above the Law at the New Music Seminar. It looks as if Ice Cube and the lynch mob get the better of Above the Law. That's not true. Uh, Above the Law, by all accounts, completely... <laughs> overwhelmed <laughs> that's a good word uh, the lynch mob there's also a second fight between Ice Cube and Cole Bennett 87 I'm a few months prior to this at a concert where Ice Cube got swapped up as well um, swapped up that is swapped up it's a 90s word right um, what happened to you I got swapped up got swapped up cuz got swapped up can we make a record called swapped up right now absolutely <laughs> you, if, listen if any if any producer and I should have said this before people cut this off if you doc or any producer can find that west coast synth please please at Armand wake up please please I'm dying to make a west coast record I'm dying what I'm I, dying what I realized going back and listening to 80s Dre beats 
is I have been mimicking 80s Dre beats and not knowing it. Fam, yo, <laughs> niggas for life, like a lot of that stuff sounds like Doc Production. A lot of it's it. Like, and I mean, what is this? Samples and break beats? What's going yes. on here? Yes. Yes. Dre is not all G-Funk synth with whistles. No, and they and they allude to when he goes G-Funk. And the reason why I was gonna say, because Cole 187 him, he takes credit for starting G-Funk, not Warren G and not Dre. Um, right. Whatever, whatever. If you want to listen to the Above the Law Living Like Hustles album, you might hear some stuff that later evolved into a G-Funk sound. But they do reference Dre listening to samples that eventually end up on a chronic while right. the NWA stuff was going on. Right. Um, I'm not going to ruin the Tupac part. It, it's clear as day. I just want you to see it because I want you to, I want you to, ooh, I want to, like when we do the show next week or whenever we do the show, I want to hear your, ooh, the, I want you to text me after you get out the theater. The best part will be me trying to explain to my wife why I'm unhappy as she's just like, huh? Dog, it's so obvious she might catch it. All right. And that's no shots. That's no shots no, to no, your no, wife. No. Like, you know, it's just a really like, really? Oh, it's not, it's not like a, you have to be a super nerd to get it. No. Okay. 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 No. This is like, huh? Okay. Uh, anyway, uh, let me see. No Michelle, no D Barnes. Tamika married Easy E while he was in a coma. Um, and they made it seem like, you know, Tamika was always by his side and she helped him find out that Jerry Heller was a snake, yada, yada. Um, uh, old to David Mack. Oh, and then the last one is that the story is is that Dre didn't convince Easy to get out of the drug game and start doing music. Easy already wanted to do it, but when Easy bailed Dre out of jail, Dre made a promise: since I can't pay you back, I'll just produce for you under your label. Hmm. That's it. Everything okay. else we already talked about in the story, or we talked about in this episode. And then, of course, you you want to leave the details, but. The end where he uh, leaves death row. <laughs> they don't. Re- okay, so in the story, they make it seem like he was just like, I'm out of here. I'm not taking this anymore. Like, no, you didn't. That's not what happened at all. Because the, the story has it is that the first time Dre tried to leave, Shook sent his people to Dre's house and made him <laughs> sign even more papers to retain his masters. Like, because they were like, you can keep everything. I don't want it. I want peace of mind. No, 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 no. You tried to get everything, and Suge and Death Row and his goons gooned you out of all of the masters for the chronic and everything else. Here, what I need is I need a, a commentary track on the eventual DVD Blu-ray release straight out of Compton that is you in the Dr. Dre voice. Hell <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's not how it happened. Yeah. <laughs> Yo, the funny part is the dude... Who plays Dre has Dre's voice. Yes. It's funny. Um, so anyway, yeah, I mean, so I'm guessing they didn't talk about, oh, you know, uh, can't You Can't See Me and uh, California Love? That was supposed to be for th- the first Aftermath thing, but da-da-da. You know, I'm guessing nah. they didn't get, like, nah. Nope. nope. Yeah. All right. They didn't get into all those, all those details. But nope. Other, but with that, all that being said, again, great movie. <laughs> great movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So that's that's it, man. I'm 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 out of here. I think we're good. All right. Well, so we we talked about a lot of things uh, this week. So please use the hashtag Clock Radio Speakers. Hit us up with uh, hit us up on Twitter. Uh, hit up hit, uh, hit up the show at CRS Podcast or hit us up individually. Uh, let us know what you think. If you've seen the movie, what you thought about it. If you have good ideas for dope hip hop movies, we want to hear it. And uh, anything else you want to plug? Uh, no, not right now. We're good. All right. Catch y'all next week or. 
whenever we get back.